The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. You can follow James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. James's uh, latest top 200 prospect rankings are live on the site. Uh, be sure to check that out along with his latest Farm Futures piece where he goes into some of the risers, fallers, and new additions. We're going to be touching on some of those uh, on the show today. Also, the new organizational top tens are updated on the site, uh, so be sure to check those out as well. Uh, but James, you know, we, we touched on some guys last last week, some of the the bigger names, but I want to look at some of the uh, some other you know top risers and fallers here on on your latest update, top two hundred. Uh, starting with uh, Kyle Kubica. I mean, we talked about him a bit. Uh, he was traded from the Braves to the Angels in the offseason. Talked about him with uh, Jeff Fletcher, the Orange County Register, on the XM show last week. And, you know, 
Fletcher mentioned that the team struggles against against right-handed pitching so far this season. I feel like Kubitz, you know, in that farm system, uh, pretty depleted, could be an option for them later this season. But uh, what in particular made you bump him up to to number eighty-five overall? I I like his combination of proximity and floor. You know, it's yeah. it's a pretty safe profile given where he's at in his uh, developmental. Uh, process. I mean, he's at AAA, uh, had a full season at AA last year, and, you know, equipped himself pretty well, got on base at a 405 clip there. And this year, you know, he's, he's kind of gotten right back to, to where he was. Obviously, you know, playing at a uh, favorable, in a favorable hitting environment, but, you know, still hitting 312. The, the BABIP is pretty off the chart, so that's going to come down a little bit. But, He's a guy who, you know, when we were talking to Fletcher, he said uh, Kubica is the guy for, for next season for them at, at third base. So could be seeing every day at bats as early as next year. And, yeah, he also mentioned, yeah, he'll probably be up at some point this season, not mm-hmm. at an everyday role necessarily, but, you know, they could get him some looks at DH and some looks at third base when they want to give David Freeze a day off. Yeah, they really haven't been getting much at all out of the DH spot to this point. I mean, C.J. Crone's been struggling. Mark Krause is up right now helping out at first base with, with Pujols banged up. But it looks like Pujols' you know, absence is not going to be uh, that, that long. But with Kubica, right now at, at AAA, has a reverse platoon split going on he, against left-handers. He's a lefty swinger. He's got an OPS against lefties over 1,000. Mark against right-handers at 785. But uh, do, do you see those, those numbers against right-handers improving and, and these, these splits kind of balancing out here in short order? I don't, you know, I don't really know. Uh, splits are often kind of difficult to fully trust until guys get to the big leagues, um, and you kind of yeah. you start to see that you know the best, the best of both worlds. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna necessarily hold any of that against him just because he has been able to, you know, all in all, he's been able to hit for for a pretty high market at each of his last three stops. Uh, yeah. He had the re- the reverse platoon going on last year too, uh, which, you know, I'm with you. isn't really troubling. It's actually good to see him have yeah. success against lefties. I don't really mind that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to ding a guy for that. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. I'm more, more, the, the one thing I'm looking at for him is, is, is he going to hit for power at, mm-hmm. at the big league level? Uh, you know he stole stole 21 bases last year at double a and and only hit eight home runs in a full season he's got one home run one steal so far this season i guess it doesn't matter if if you're you know you typically get power from your third baseman it doesn't really matter to me i guess if you get speed instead of power but you'd like to get one or the other so i i doubt that he's going to steal for 20 plus bases you know in the big league so it'd be nice to get that that power total up to you know at least to 12 to 15 homers a year and then you could kind of work with you know whatever average and runs and ribbies you're going to get from him yeah maxed out at 12 homers so far in the minors that was in 2013 at high a you'd like to see more power with the guy who strikes out you know close to 25 percent of the time on average but he's also he walks a lot too i mean the walk rate is down this year at 9.1 percent but it's been right around 15 percent at each of his previous stops so i think you know you can live with the strikeouts when he's walking that much would like to see more power but you know, long term, you know, heading into next year, do you think he's you know a, a possible top fifteen guy at, at third base? 
I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the thing is, if you're in a dynasty league where you're rostering over 50 prospects, it's probably a pretty deep league to the point where, you know, a top 25 or a top 20 third baseman has value. I mean, those mm-hmm. guys aren't just sitting out on waivers in, in leagues like that. So that's that's kind of what you're you're hoping for. You're hoping for a guy that's going to contribute in runs and RBIs and give you like a 260 275 average something like that and play every day that's got value in you know 15 team leagues so that's kind of where i see him offering up value i don't i don't see him as a guy that guys that people in 10 and 12 team mixers are going to really be itching to get their hands on now diamondbacks peter o'brien another guy trending up in your latest top 200 he's at 99 overall now you know, he had big question marks about his ability to stick behind the plate, and they moved him out to the, I think, the right field to start the year. But uh, I think they they moved him back behind the plate somewhat recently. Now, does this this ranking take take position into account here, or is this just based purely off his offensive upside with with that power? You expect wherever he he uh, ends up in the, at the major league level, him to be impactful at the plate. I fully expect him to not catch in the big leagues so if he were to somehow you know qualify catcher for for a few years then that would be just kind of icing on top of the cake he's caught seven games so far this year at reno Uh, the rest have been either as a dh or an outfielder for them Uh, actually he's got three at first base as well but you know with paul goldschmidt there that's that's not really going to be an option I, i wouldn't think uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of banking on him being an outfielder, but, you know, say he were able to get catcher eligibility, like doing Evan Gaddis for a couple of years, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's the type of thing where he wouldn't be catching every day and most, most days he'd be in the outfield. So um, that would be one where you'd get a catcher who's in the line, you know, one that qualifies a catcher but isn't what Evan Gaddis is right now, basically. Uh, and he's hitting for so much pop that, you know, it's he he's warranted a top 100 ranking based on the power right now. I'm not sure how much of it's going to translate against big league pitching, but the fact that he's kind of backed up what he's done in in previous years uh, so far this year really kind of makes it so that it's hard to ignore. Yeah, nine homers so far at at AAA Reno in just 151 plate appearances, 36 RBI as well, and. You know, just looking at the the positional breakdown as far as you know where he's played, he's only played seven games actually at catcher, three at first base, thirteen in left, eight in right, and four at DH. Seems like they're kind of uncertain, but I'm with you. I think there's very little chance he ends up catching at the major league level. I remember in spring training, him having trouble even throwing the ball back to the pitcher at times. And so, I mean, when you have those kind of yips, I mean, you you cannot succeed back there. A guy who's even higher than both Kubitson and O'Brien, well higher on your on your latest update. Jorge Mateo of the Yankees now still very young, just 19 years old, but really excelling down there at Low A Charleston, the River Dogs. Shout out to the River Dogs. Um, looking <laughs> forward to going down there and seeing them again. But Mateo is somebody who, you know, impressive numbers, but this this lofty ranking is a bit surprising to me. What's what's the reasoning behind moving him this high up? You know, it's just a it's a pretty sweet profile. Uh someone that I could kind of see as a 280, 300 hitter and someone that's got legit 80 speed who's going to stick at shortstop. I mean, that's that doesn't come around very often. That's, that's kind of what we sort of thought 
Billy Hamilton might have been like three or four years ago, and that's what we might have thought D. Gordon was going to be five or six years ago. But now, you know, those guys have, have moved off the position, but, you know, both are still plenty valuable because of that speed. And that's kind of what Mateo brings to the table. He's already got 29 steals so far this year in, in yeah, 36 that's games. Yeah, in 36 games. Uh, not, you know, he's. He's 19, like you said, not striking out a ton. So, I mean, 28, 20% strikeout rate, that's that's perfectly fine. Walking almost 8% of the time. He's walked at a higher level than that in, in rookie ball. So you would hope that, you know, as he as he continues to mature, that that rate might creep up a little bit so, to let that speed play even more. And, you know, I, and it's just a guy. It's one of the, He's one of those guys, too, whose trade value is going to be immense, you mm-hmm. know, in the coming years because people are going to be like, oh, you know, future Yankees everyday shortstop steals you know 60 70 bases a year in the minors like that's a guy who in a dynasty league you're going to be able to get a ton for mm-hmm. um and there's there's a chance for a little bit of pop down the line too so uh just a guy who I, I really struggle to see any sort of a flaw with other than the fact that he's three or four years away you know you mentioned some room to grow with the pop I mean so far this year uh, five doubles a triple and, and one homer didn't have a homered all last year only 15 games though in the gulf coast league he's six feet 188 pounds what makes you confident that that he will develop more power in time is it just faith in the hit tool well he hit he hit seven bombs in in rookie ball in in 2013 and you know he doesn't get like he doesn't he's not a guy who people just label as a zero Mm -hmm. in that department so even if he were to just hit five or ten a year that would be fine you know he's going to be probably hitting atop the order one day which is going to be awesome and so you're not going to necessarily be even expecting homers but it's not a guy who I would look to he's not going to be like Elvis Andrews I don't think where you are shocked when one leaves the yard move on to Sean Newcomb also in the Angels system uh, recently promoted to high inland empire now I mean it's it's hard to you know tell too much about him. He's he's 21 years old. It's it's in that system. He's one of their top prospects. I mean, he's uh, you have him second in the organizational ranks, and overall now you have him at 58. Uh, now, is it is his proximity factored in here quite a bit, or or is it more so you know long term upside with with Newcomb? No, it's just it's just the the upside. Sorry about that. Um, it's just just the upside with the with the strikeouts long term i mean big fastball uh, slider and changeup could both could both be plus or kind of in that in that range and uh, lefty you know 65 uh, college arms going to move fairly fast so yeah i i just i was too low on him before the season and he's done nothing but miss bats so far this season and obviously yeah already promoted to to high a could even you know that th- that's a team that needs young pitching and mm-hmm. is going to need it down the road. You know, next year and the year after. So Heaney, Andrew Heaney. I mean, he he probably will work out, and then they're they're going to get Tyler Skaggs back at some point. But I don't I don't see the Angels being very cautious with Newcomb if he continues to miss bats at this rate. Yeah, and big big growth this season with the control at least. Well, I mean, so far with Empire, that's what's what was really encouraging with his first start there. Seven strikeouts, just one walk. Did have 19 walks, and 
34 and a third before the promotion, but I think if he's able to, you know, continue lowering that walk rate and missing bats at that clip that he is, I mean, he could definitely be an, an impact guy. And, you know, Heaney, we talked about him with Fletcher a bit as well. He's He had that terrible spring training, but turning it around lately at, at AAA, when do you expect to see him up contributing with the Angels? I don't think that has as much to do with him as it does with the guys currently in the rotation. So, uh, you, you know, you've seen Shoemaker and Santiago kind of, Santiago has been great. He's not going anywhere, but you know, that's one guy who before the season you could have envisioned Heaney replacing who, you know, now he's not going to replace and CJ Wilson's been great. So it really kind of comes down to, to Shoemaker there. I mean, is how long can he hold on to that spot? might come down to one of those guys getting hurt too so mm-hmm. uh really has has very little to do i think with with andrew heaney as long as he doesn't just you know fall apart completely yeah. i think he'll be up basically when there's a need yeah and matt shoemaker's last start uh against against baltimore seven innings just three hits one earned run seven strikeouts no walks nice step forward for him and plus fletcher was saying that you know after last season he's just built up such a leash that it's going to take you know a, even more struggles than he endured early in the season for him to lose his job. I think I think those may have been overblown a bit. I mean, the ERA is still up at 5.63, but whipped down at 1.17. I think he's pitched better than that that ERA would would indicate. Uh, we'll move to some some fallers here, guys trending downward in the latest top 200. Now this hurts because we we discussed Robert Stevenson last week, uh, but now Jesse Winker also falling down to 56 on your your overall top 200. Uh, Bobby Stevenson's turned a corner, though. I don't know if you'd heard about that. He, he's <laughs> he's getting it together. Uh, but Winker, you know, he's somebody who had that wrist injury last year but really excelled in the fall league. Uh, some people had him tabbed as, as a potential future batting champion in the National League with the Reds, but uh, you're not as high as him on him as you were coming into the season. Why is that? Well, it's not a huge drop. I think I had him probably in the in the late 30s before the season so still in the top 60 so I'm not like out on him or anything it's just you know you look at what he's done so far at double a 57 games so far between this year and last year and it's just impossible to keep him any higher than where I have him right now based on what other guys are doing you know I mean you can't just mm-hmm. leave a guy entrenched when he's really struggling and guys behind him are, are doing much better so yeah more kind of a i'm not not lost faith in him i mean he's kind of in that hunter renfro class of guys who have just not picked up double a yet like they're, yeah. they've been there and it's just it's coming slower to them than we would have hoped uh, not not willing to kind of give up on them but at the same time you got to kind of make room on, on lists like this for for guys that have you know taken advantage of opportunities Batting just 227 right now with a 329 on base, but the power has really dried up. You know, since he's made the jump to Double A, two homers in 21 games last year, two and 36 so far this year. ISO this year, this year 094. But if there is one encouraging sign, it's that the the strikeout rate is is way down, almost 10 percent, down to 14.8. But uh, in the walk rate, still over 11 percent. I feel like, you know, that's encouraging, but. You know he's he's need to needs to start actually hitting the ball and really you know driving it to to make that you know even uh, acceptable because it's it's if you if 
nice and all that, that you're making, you know, not striking out, but you need to be making consistent hard contact, and he's just not doing that right now. Uh, I, I thought we, we could maybe see him as a platoon option for the Reds in left field at some point this year, but, uh, you know, hard to really see that coming in, in the immediate future, especially, you know, with Marlon Bird picking it up and, and Winker struggling to, to adjust at double A. Uh, what about Franklin Barreto? Uh, down to 131. I saw he had a homer recently, but, uh, you know, he, he's somebody in the in the A system coming over from Toronto. Uh, I, I had some high hopes for but this is, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, he was inside your top 100 coming in. Am I right? Yeah, and he's a guy that, ah, man, that, the moving him, moving him out of the top 100 could actually uh, look fairly silly by the midway point if he were to get hot because you know toolsy toolsy shortstop although i don't think he's going to stick at shortstop but you know he's he's playing there for now um he's it's kind of interesting to compare him to a guy like jorge mateo uh mateo's going to stick at shortstop barreto's probably not mateo's got that one carrying tool his speed for fantasy purposes barreto you know, five tool potential, but doesn't really have that one tool that you just know is going to play at the highest level uh, to to where it's going to make a big difference in fantasy leagues. I mean, he's he's got good speed, but it's not close to what Mateo offers. Um, and Barreto's Barreto's not really hitting that much either. So uh, interesting to kind of com- kind of compare those guys. And you know, they're both both nineteen, both uh, both uh, in the lower levels of the minors, and you know, both. Uh, prospects to to keep an eye on before the halfway point to kind of see how hot Mateo can stay how Barreto uh, fares the rest of the way at high a yeah Barreto you know the the walk rate is way down with him 4.4 percent and the OPS just 621 but again just just 19 years old and he's playing against competition that is on average you know almost four years older than he is at, at double or at high a how, how aggressively do you think they're going to move him through the system? I mean, I, I think thinking the A's are probably going to be sellers this year. Is there any reason to think that, you know, he, he's going to move up to, to double A this year? Or do you think he spends the rest of the season with Stockton? Well, I thought they were pretty aggressive moving him to Stockton this year. Yeah. So they obviously think pretty highly of him. They thought he could handle that assignment. And, you know, for his age to be, I mean, uh, yeah, this this is one where I'm not I'm not super comfortable with where I ended up moving him to, just because there's so many different ways this could kind of play out over the rest of the year. The the assignment was aggressive before the season, so that indicates to me that they would continue to be aggressive if he warranted it with his play on the field. So it's kind of going to be up to him, I think, to how how fast he moves. I will give him this. I mean, Babip right now down at 250. He had a 378 mark last year. 375 at rookie ball uh, in 2013. So I, I think I think it's bound to come up, maybe not to, to that high level, but over 300 by the end of the season, I think. And so you know, the average on base should start to creep up. Would like to see him uh, draw more walks. What about Clint Frazier? Down to 94 now. Somebody I liked you know, quite a bit in dynasty formats you know, last year and coming into this year, but uh, you're souring on him on him quite a bit. Why is that? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I haven't soured on him as much as some other guys, uh, but it's just, you know, it's a slow process with him. He's not making any. There's been no point really at his as a professional where he's just 
really gotten hot and kind of flashed what we were kind of expecting out of the draft with him uh, for an extended stretch and you know high a for for a guy who's 19 or for, you know he's 20 now um but still the the expectation shouldn't be through the roof with him but to be you know struggling to hit for a ton of pop you know 400 slugs so far down there while carrying a 336 babip so you know he's hitting the ball fairly hard but not not to over the fence that much not into the gaps that much so mm-hmm. just not really flashing the tools that i you know we we all saw kind of coming out of the draft still a top 100 guy but you know someone who is it's going to take a while he's not going to be a fast mover i don't think I, I wouldn't expect to see him until about 2018 yeah barely holding on to that top 100 spot but still in there uh struck out 161 times last season in 120 games but the on base was still right around 350 uh, 349 he's got a 339 at, uh, on base so far this year three homers 22 RBI and you mentioned you know coming into the draft such high expectations he was the fifth overall pick in 2013 and I know a lot was made about about his bat speed being elite but you mentioned not driving into the gaps right now is that kind of overblown do you think that that bat speed is, is truly you know borderline elite with this guy well the bat speed's elite but the approach is not elite Mm -hmm. and he's a guy who you know on on off speed stuff like he could he's he's someone whose prospect stock could just plummet once he gets to double a if he can't lay off of good breaking balls off the plate you know it's it's something that could really eat him up and it's not even a lock that he can push all the way to the big leagues by like 2018 or 2019 so a lot of risk still in the profile yeah i you know i still have some hopes for him but i'm with you a lot of a lot of potential still in the profile and you know know, like with a guy like nick williams who we talked about in recent weeks if he can really dedicate himself to to changing that approach we could see a a dramatic turnaround hopefully uh with with clint frazier now we'll, we'll move on to dalton pompey he's another faller on your list down to 72 of course was was demoted uh, early in the season after struggling. I, I think they were probably a bit too aggressive with him, even with that you know meteoric rise to the system last year. <laughs> the I mean, Jays are kind of running their franchise like a like a desperate team, you know, yeah, like they really a, are, like a really you know wounded animal that's just you know trying to hang on basically because that's where um, you know their their front office is in significant jeopardy of probably yeah. getting turned over if they don't. Uh, contend for a playoff spot this year and so they've been just really aggressive on these promotions and we've seen it you know I have any of them I mean I guess you could say the Devin Travis one has has really worked out uh, even though he's cooled off quite a bit and is is banged up right now but you know Pompey Norris Sanchez even Miguel Castro Miguel Castro you know Miguel Castro is that that was just kind of that's not, I don't think, a reflection on Miguel Castro at no, all. That was a he'll, baffling he'll be, decision. He'll be fine. Um, you know, Roberto Ozuna's been been good mm-hmm. uh, in the bullpen, um, but when you you push your prospects all, you know, kind of all your chips in, and you're saying like, "Hey, you guys, we're relying on you guys to be competitive this mm-hmm. year," and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be that surprised when some of it doesn't doesn't work out so well. I mean, Sanchez is still in the rotation, but uh, yeah, like you said, Pompey. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what what uh, 
if you had to say one thing about Pompey where you're like, he does this really, really well, like what would it be? I mean, I, I mean, run. Yeah, he's but he's not. Fast. He's not like. He yeah he he runs well, but he's not. He's not like an eighty grade or even no. like a seventy grade runner. Like mm-hmm. he's he's someone that could steal, twenty five bases. You know, maybe over a full season in the big leagues. I think, but. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him up any higher than that necessarily. Um, and you know the the hit tools. You know who knows what it's going to be. I mean the 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 places where he put up big numbers in the minors last year. You just have to look across the aisle at the BABIP and kind of see why. And yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I I think he he makes it back up at some point this year. It's just it's kind of. Where are you going to get that that major production from? Yeah, it's really telling that they did decide to send him down, even with you know Jose Bautista limited to DH duties, them relying on Ezekiel Carrera, uh, Chris Colabello, others. I mean, it's I do think he'll be up, but uh, I'm with you. I mean, he was he was impressive in the fall league, but I did see him gunned out at home by Aaron Judge. So that maybe more speaks to Aaron Judge's arm out there and right, but uh, you know it'll be interesting to see how how efficient he is on the base pass once he's is up this, because that will be you know that will be the key to his fantasy value is this the first time we've talked about pompey since the inaugural episode where we compared pompey and anthony ghost ooh quite possibly yeah you were you were right i'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> um ghost has been good i mean he has he's been okay i was i think i was the low man on pompey in the the round table though so i don't know how that really works but who knows? No, I, was t- I don't know how anything at the roundtable works. <laughs> we have to do an update, but um, yeah, we'll have to look more into that. But let's uh, let's get into some guys who are new additions to the top two hundred this time around. Uh, starting with a guy who who I, I'm I'm excited about, and Amir Garrett. Now he, he not only is on the list, but now at one forty seven, somebody who's really a, an impressive athlete. He was a two sport star. Uh, gave up basketball though, focusing exclusively on uh, the craft pit, the craft of pitching, and I, I think the upside is there with a guy like this. Um, what do you think about him, and, and is it you know the, the focus on baseball and, and the improvement he's shown that really uh, led you to to move him up this this high? Uh, you know, his everything's kind of gotten a little bit better for him this year except i mean he's he's walking a, a few more guys than he was at at low a last year but the the strikeouts are up uh i like his size obviously the basketball background i mean that's i think any any big league team would tell you if if everything else is equal they would prefer a guy that played multiple sports over a guy who focused solely on baseball because mm-hmm. you know you're developing different muscles um you know there's some people there i mean there's a theory out there that a lot of the reason why we're seeing this this tommy john epidemic is because people have become too um cornered into baseball at at too young of an age and have stopped playing other sports because it's become like a year-round thing where Mm -hmm. as guys like this I i feel like there's there's reason to be kind of hopeful about his you know his health and um, you know, you have, you have to like the athleticism if he, if he was good enough to play basketball in the first place. I mean, that, that goes into pitching and having a repeatable delivery and everything like that. So, uh, you know, kind of one of the same reasons I, I like Braden Shipley so much, you know, coming, you know, switching over to, to pitching from being a, a shortstop. You know, Garrett has a lot of upside 
for his age. I mean, he's 23 pitching at high A, so you wouldn't think that he's, you know, a high upside guy necessarily, but just the fact that he hasn't had that long where he's been just a pitcher, you you Mm -hmm. kind of wonder if maybe there's, you know, it's just really hard to peg how much upside these guys have. I would think a promotion for him maybe on the horizon. I mean, he's just eight starts at the high A level, but 3.03 ERA, 9.1 strikeouts per nine. Now the could go to trim down on the free passes, uh, 17 and 35 and two-thirds innings. But, yeah, big 6'5 lefty uh, with pretty pretty electric stuff. And I, I think, you know, he, he kind of gets lost behind some of the Reds' other prospects, but uh, he, he maybe could be right up there. Did you push him into the top ten in the organizational rank? I was, I was going to say when we were talking about Winker, uh, my favorite top ten, or at least the – the one that kind of had the most movement and most movement inside the the overall top 100 and kind of you know just a lot of interesting stuff going on within that top 10 is is the Reds top 10 I mean there's just a lot of guys that are off to to strong starts and um, you know really really kind of interesting I think uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you I think I have Garrett maybe at five or something yep, in the five system. behind Winker Stevenson Phil Irvin and Alex Blandino yeah, so I mean that's those are in Irvin, Blandino, and Garrett. You have three guys who weren't in my preseason top two hundred who are now in the top one fifty. So I mean mm-hmm. that that tells you how good they've been to start the year. So yeah, I mean it's Bobby Stevenson and and Jesse Winker haven't been maybe everything we hoped they'd be. Uh, even though uh, Bobby S is turning a corner, but. Um, the, those guys behind them in that system are, are really kind of coming on strong. Don't patronize me about Bobby S. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I want to touch on Winker, for, or I'm sorry, on Irvin for a second, too. Uh, I know not everybody out there is a Reds fan, but just bear with me here. <laughs> not every, <laughs> Not every. Most. Most. Most of the listeners are Reds fans. Very Reds few, fans. probably. <laughs> but I, I just, Irvin, I think, is an interesting case because really kind of bottomed out last year at, at low A Dayton. Shout out to the Dragons. Um, he, But I think... You know, the, the dip in production was in large part due to a wrist injury that he had in the offseason coming in. I don't think he ever was able to really recover from that. But so far this year, impressive numbers. Are, are you really back in with Irvin? Um, how high did you decide to push him here? Uh, yeah, I pushed him, pushed him, let's see, all the way up to 91. So inside the top 100. Obviously, you factor in the, the graduations and you know, he'd he'd still be outside the top 100 if we were factoring everybody in that still qualifies as a prospect. But yeah, that's an important thing to note, too. right? Um, so yeah, I mean, we're not we're not including any of the guys that are in the big leagues at all. Like so, yeah. even guys like like Ryan Brett's on the DL, the big league DL, mm-hmm. and then he's not included. And you've got guys, Syndergaard, yeah, Syndergaard, guys like Rysel Iglesias, um, who are just kind of we don't know what they're really doing. Um, Michael Lorenzen. I mean, we're, those guys. None of those guys are included. Uh, so, but you know, Phil Irvin, eight home runs already. We only hit seven last year. That kind of goes to the the wrist thing. Uh, you know, lower lower K rate, higher walk rate, uh, lower BABIP, but higher batting average. I mean, everything basically you could look at it tells you that this is a different player and someone that needs to be kind of treated differently uh, than than maybe we did back uh, towards the end of, of 2014. Yeah, that is amazing that he's already exceeded his home run total from a year ago. And, you know, the, a big positive from last year, too, is that he went 30 for 35 on the base pass. So there's there's some power speed upside here with him. 
You can make a case. Like I, I ranked him ninety-one. You can make a case for him being much higher than that, actually, too. Yeah, and Dayton has a very pitcher-friendly home park uh, there in in Ohio. And uh, can you tell me about about the environment in Daytona? Is that also a pitcher-friendly environment? Do you know? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, from, um, from what I've heard, I think so as well. Double check on that. Yeah, but I mean that that. That sounds right. Um, that's impressive that he's doing what he is at, at in that environment. Uh, and I, I think Irvin, I mean, he was a former first-round pick as well. I mean, 27, 27th overall in 2013. Uh, I think I think we were all, you know, not just uh, myself or you. I think everyone really in the industry was, was you know, well, too quick to overreact to those that poor season. So Irvin is uh, – I have him at 91. I have – Clint Frazier at 94, who would you take out of those two if if you were kind of offered one for the other in a in a SKL trade? You know, I I think I think I'd lean slightly toward Frazier and the reason being is that I think he has you know more you know more uh universal, you know, name brand value so the more casual owners, you know, probably see him as a more valuable chip. Uh, you know, in that case, I mean, as far as long term, I think Irvin has just as much upside. But I think as a trade chip right now, Frazier is, is more valuable. Yeah, it'd be. I I wonder because I mean, I feel like you know half of the people that own Frazier in a dynasty league would just refuse to trade him right now because his value is yeah. so low, and then half of them would kind of jump at the chance to get out from under him for a guy like Irvin who might be perceived to be on the upswing. So it, it definitely, definitely be interesting to kind of see in, in your league what, what that, uh, what that Frazier owner's thinking at the moment. Did Irvin end up getting drafted in SKL too? Because I threw him back, which I'm I pissed about. Almost guarantee he did not get drafted. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting. I did, did say in a blog that I th- thought he could return to a top, top 200 list. Uh, because the wrist injury did sap the numbers and pr- productivity last year, but um, at the same time, I mean, I didn't didn't follow my own advice and ended up tossing <laughs> him back. So that doesn't that that hurt? That always happens. That really right. feels good. Uh, I want to touch on a few more guys here quickly. Um, let's see, Zach Lee. I mean, Zach Lee, one ninety six. Uh, I mean, not not a high rank by any means. Barely squeaking in there, but. You this know, is a, this is the guy I was lampooning in the office, uh, you know, not not three or four yeah, months ago. For laughing, I was I was basically joking about the fact that he should probably go back to football. So, you know, now he's knocking on the door of a you know a Dodger rotation spot. Yeah, he really is. I mean, eight starts at AAA Oklahoma City so far this season. Four and three with a two eight nine ERA, one point two zero WHIP. The the walks are down this year. Two point one walks per nine. Strike a rate up from last year at 7.5, uh, right around his career minor league mark. Do you think it's only a matter of time before we see him, you know, swapped out with uh, a guy like Mike Bolsinger? Yeah, I think barring the Dodgers trading for a starting pitcher, which they, they probably still will do. They'll probably do that at the closer to the deadline, though, because um, I think they're just they're, – they're so good even with basically punting that fifth spot in the rotation that they can afford to just sit back and kind of wait, you know, see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you even look at like Brett Anderson, is he going to stay healthy all year? Obviously no. not. So 
Zach Lee yeah. is going to get a chance at some point here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, definitely someone to kind of keep an eye on, maybe put on watch list. I, I don't think the upside is there to, to warrant stashing him in most mixers. Like, he's not on that, you know, Syndergaard, Eduardo Rodriguez level where you need to make sure you have him before the call-up. He's a guy that you kind of maybe go after once he gets called up if, if he can kind of show that he's he's – capable of holding on to that spot for a mm-hmm. long stretch there but yeah I mean it's it's exciting I guess you know for him to finally be kind of knocking on this door after I mean this was a guy who uh, was committed to go play quarterback at LSU and needed like a four million dollar bonus to to sign uh, in the draft so I mean this is a guy who really had a lot going for him just four or five years ago and now it's it's nice to see him finally kind of close to realizing that it is. I mean, especially after last year, uh, 28 appearances, 27 starts at, at AAA. That was AAA Albuquerque, but 5.39 ERA, 1.53 whip. Amazing the improvements he's shown at that AAA level so far this year. But your ranking, you know, just inside the top 200, as you mentioned, suggests that you're not confident about his long-term upside. Uh, but do you still think he could be a middle-of-rotation guy, or do you just think, see him as a number 5 uh, fringe starter type. I mean, I think he could be a maybe a four. Okay. You know, in and and if if he's a four for the Dodgers, that's better than a four for almost any other team because you the ballparks yeah. you get to pitch in and the offense behind you. Uh, maybe he'd be a in the AL. He might be a five or like a fringe five. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in in the NL, um, I think he 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 fits in a rotation at some point. It's just not, he's not a guy that you're ever going to be taking in the first like 250 picks of a draft. Yeah. And if you had to put a percent chance on him reaching that, that upside as a maybe number four, maybe number three type, what would you say? Maybe, you know, 10% chance that he becomes a three and then, you know, 50% chance he becomes a, a four or five. Yeah, he has the pedigree as a former first-round pick, but it'll be interesting to see if he does get that call up, how he fares back there. Maybe you know, spare you buy the Dodgers some time at least, and you know, until they have to make a trade once Anderson gets hurt, because we both agree that that is an <laughs> inevitability <laughs> with Brett Anderson. It's just a just a matter of time. But he has been our. It'll be something weird. It'll be like, uh, you know, ingrown toenail or something like that. Yeah. Surgery required. <laughs> I just remember him like jumping off the mound and like squatting after his like back flared up last season. It's just like wow, of course this happens. But that'll do it for the prospect portion of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Now getting into uh, the final segment we've been doing throughout our time on the show here, James, and that's grading out a professional wrestler based on the twenty to eighty scouting grade scale. Uh, based on the five tools that we have established for grading out pro wrestlers, that's look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, and ring presence. Last week we did Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and we're taking on arguably uh, one of the top superstars of all time, another Hall of Famer in the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean this is this is a guy who you know did it all. Oh yeah, did it all. I mean. Slim Jim, snap into a Slim Jim. Do you think that, just before we get into the grades, is this the best wrestler we've graded so far? You know, I was actually looking at that because he tied uh, for my highest overall mark with The Undertaker. But if I had to choose, I think Randy Savage, uh, I'd give him a slight edge. So, yeah, I'd say, I would say I, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I 
he actually did come in tops for me. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's – and rest in peace, Randy Poffo, former uh, minor leaguer. Yeah. He was on, I mean, that's yeah. so fitting yeah. that he's on the Cardinals. And the yeah. Reds. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he uh, – you know, injuries might have knocked him out of – might have knocked him out of baseball. Yeah. One of my favorite stories is that he uh, apparently, you know, he – He's he a catcher, go, right? Yeah, at first. And then he, I think he moved to the outfield maybe. But he he went to the outfield one day and just started throwing balls, as many balls, all day with his opposite hand. because And he just kept doing that until he was ambidextrous. Like, it's just amazing to me that he, he'd do that. Oh, that's dedication there, and that's that's just natural athleticism yeah, exactly. too. He's a I mean, great. Not, not everybody could just become ambidextrous, <laughs> yeah, or play minor league baseball. I mean, he, or, the fact that he got there is have the success he had in the ring. Oh, so much success! <laughs> I mean, this guy—he was born into a wrestling family. His father, Angelo Poffo. Yes, I knew, do know all this off the top of my head. Was a <laughs> pro wrestler. As well, yeah. Wikipedia is not open. No, definitely not. (laughs) Passed passed down the, you know, the tools of trade really, and uh, Macho definitely had more success than his brother. But both were in the WWE at the time. His brother was the genius, uh, kind of an obscure character. But I think he was with he was with Mister Perfect for a while. Another guy we have graded out now with with Randy Savage. What do you got for the look? I really, you know, I I almost tipped my hand pre-show. Uh, struggled big time with this. I was I was up at an eighty, then I was down at a sixty. Uh, finally settled on seventy-five. It's there's so much. There's so many uh, different things that go into his look. You know, mm-hmm. you got the the costume, the glasses, the glasses, the hat, the the hair, the. Um, the robes or whatever. The the difference in his look with the gear on versus with it off. You have the the physique. Um, you know, there's there's a lot going on there. End of the day, you know, when he's when he's looking his best, you know, I mean, he's he's really put together pretty well. Um, most one of the most recognizable looks, mm-hmm. you know, so it may, might not have. I mean, he doesn't have an 80, like, like perfect. I was looking back, uh, I've only given out three 80s for look. Um, and that, I mean, they're all pretty obvious perfect, uh, warrior mm-hmm. and and Rick Rude. I mean, three, three pretty obvious 80s there. <laughs> uh, Savage, not quite in that, in that territory, but he's knocking on the door. Yeah, I I also have him as a seventy-five. I mean, borderline elite yeah. look. I mean, he's, he's I think, right up there. Honestly, the one thing for me is just the uh, lack of a pure. I mean, and you could you could argue that this is kind of the same with Warrior too, but Warrior was just m- so much more built. But uh, lack of, of a really handsome face. You know, I mean, <laughs> he used a lot of yeah. kind of gimmick gimmicks to kind of get by in that department. I mean, his hair was kind of you know. Uh, scarecrowy kind of hair, you know. He had not, that bald spot. Back yeah, there. yeah. Not, yeah. not the, not the most handsome man. So I, I feel like I had to kind of ding him there. Yeah. Can't put him in perfect in Rick Rude's class. No, you can't put him up there, <laughs> and you can't put him in the Warriors class. Even though he did have a great look. I mean, he came to the ring with those, you know, the all the shiny robes and whatnot, and uh, the glasses were good. Look, the headband, uh, and also, you know, he wasn't. He was actually not the biggest guy. No. But you actually couldn't really tell it. I mean, he was, chi- he was chiseled. Sometimes, I mean, he nobody. I mean, he roided pretty hard. I mean, he, <laughs> oh, for had, sure. he had some 
big pipes uh, yeah. at times during his career. He did, and you know he wasn't that tall, but he it was. It's cool because I, I was watching some of his old matches recently, and um, you know he, he he couldn't really tell it at the time, or I couldn't, but he he kind of stood on his tippy toes at times <laughs> just to make himself look taller than he was, and uh, it worked because he was able to stand in the ring with you know Hogan, uh, even even Andre at at times, and, and look. Well, like a legitimate threat. Now with entrance, this is one where we differ probably more so than uh, a lot of a lot of grades you've given out. I got a seventy for the entrance. You know the pomp and circumstance theme music. I don't know what it is. It wouldn't seem to fit a guy named Macho Man Randy Savage, but for me it just worked. And you know when he we came to the ring, all eyes were on him, especially with with Miss Elizabeth, the lovely Miss Elizabeth by his side. Sure. I got a seventy, but but you're a little bit lower on him. Why is that? So. It's, you know, it it kind of, the pop and circumstance doesn't work that well for me. And I would definitely be open to hearing anyone, you know, say like, this is why it works and, and whatever. But, uh, you know, there's, there's one, uh, moment when, uh, warrior and, and macho are promoting, uh, believe their SummerSlam bout and, you know they're doing the their their interviews and you know warrior runs out and it's he's got his 80 entrance going um and then right after that macho comes out and you know popping some circumstances going and he it's just kind of very you know he might have might as well just walk to the ring without anything mm-hmm. going really i mean it it works under it works when there's a big time production element involved in it and he's being carried out on a throne or something yeah, like that he was the macho king um but it it just doesn't work, uh, just kind of in a vacuum to me. No, I definitely respect that and see that. And I wish I could explain uh, why why it works. I guess maybe it's kind of the contrast before yeah, between it, the, you know, the. It's, it's ironic. Yeah, yeah. I guess that that's true. I I don't know. Uh, I, I agree that it worked better when he was the Macho King. He's getting carried out with with sensational Queen Sherry uh, on on the throne. But uh, and that that actually makes me think of their. WrestleMania 7 match. I think they did fight at a SummerSlam, but their retirement match at WrestleMania 7, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, signature move, both of us agree the an 80 here for the flying elbow drop. Nobody looks smoother with Dude, the, off the top row. Beautiful. I mean, I, I would almost compare it to like, you know, Griffey hitting a homer oh, or, like, yes. or like MJ flying through the air for a dunk. I mean, just... He he seemed to get so much air off of those, you know. I mean, just yeah, just uh, as smooth as can be with those. It was amazing that not only height but also distance. I seen him jump yeah, like you'd over like, halfway across you'd the ring. You'd see a guy like down, and you're like, "Well, that's not quite." <laughs> I mean, that's you can't quite get there. Yeah. Like, but yeah. But he got there. <laughs> I mean, the guy was a great athlete, yeah. so it's not all that surprising. But he's probably pretty toolsy. Yeah, he was definitely toolsy coming up through the system. Uh, but an 80 for a signature move. Also got 80 for the command of the crowd. Uh, now, you know, mic skills factor into this tool as well. But you know, on the mic, I mean, sometimes he didn't really make a ton of sense. But the, <laughs> Some, Sometimes he was on a lot of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a lot of coke at times. That I will say. But he was also, you know, while he you know, wasn't always, you know, had the – greatest things to say they were always the most entertaining interviews well, he yeah like his on-air persona yeah. was such that i mean i think you have to give him elite marks for for you know his his ability with the stick just because of 
you know, having, you know, catchphrases and the endorsement the, deals, the type yeah. of thing where anybody can just, you know, uh, imitate his voice. I mean, that, yeah. that's tough to do, uh, tough to have that strong of a persona. So yeah, even today, if you just imitate it, most people probably know what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. The attention was always on him. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I remember some of his old interviews with me and Gene Oakland, uh, where he brought a cup of coffee to the, to the, or, uh, or uh, thing. a thing of a uh, creamer. Yeah, cream yeah. of the crop. Cream rises to the top. <laughs> and the <laughs> cup of coffee, he's like, yeah, this is Tito Santana's cup of coffee in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, I, I loved Macho so much. Ring presence. Uh, I mean, I got a 75 here. I don't know why I couldn't just push him to 80. You got an 80. I was a bit hesitant. I mean, it, I guess it was to do with the size a bit. Uh, but when he was in the ring, I mean, he all eyes were on him, and he was, uh, you know, never looked overmatched, no matter who he was paired up with. Yeah, I, I just kind of, you know, I look at the trophy case, uh, the accomplishments, the the <laughs> accolades, the you know the signature move. I mean, yeah, you could you could ding him. I mean, there there's definitely no denying that you know just on a pure. Uh, physique level you know he's not on that that hulk or, or warrior level but uh you know he he has the you know look at look at his look at his win loss column i mean he's got the <laughs> he's got the the pelts on the wall to kind of prove it yeah and he's got the classic matches too not only that one with uh, uh the ultimate warrior wrestlemania 7 but one match that's regarded as probably the best match of all time against ricky the dragon steamboat at wrestlemania 3 I mean that's that's a clinic right there. I mean you, you watch that and you you know what you know what the game is all about. <laughs> and with, with Savage, I mean seventy five here. That's still an extremely high mark. I actually I was looking back. Uh, I'd never given anybody. Well, I'd never given anybody eighties on on move crowd and ring presence like I did with Savage. But never even just eighties on uh, command of crowd and ring presence. So mm-hmm. kind of a elite you know once once the the match started there was maybe nobody better yeah once in a lifetime type of talent kind of like barry bonds uh mike trout type of guy who's uh, just just above everybody else and it was crazy because in the you know late 80s early 90s i think hogan left to to film a, a movie or something and he was by far the biggest star but they and they gave the the title to savage in a tournament at wrestlemania that he won and you know, didn't lose the company. Didn't lose any popularity. They actually gained popularity. Where Savage uh, was champion, so when he he on that same level as Hogan. I mean, I think Hogan may be more of a cultural icon, but it's pretty pretty damn close. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll have to grade we'll have to grade Hulk one of these days. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's a seven, tough, that's a tough yeah, one. Four year old me would have had eighties across the board. But I think adult me is going to well, be a bit there's, harsh. There's so many versions yeah. of him too yeah hollywood hulk yeah so many uh, but that'll do it for the rotowire prospect podcast thank you for listening uh, be sure to rate and review the, the podcast on itunes subscribe if you will uh, and give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you thank you for listening we'll see you next thursday this is the story of harry's for decades one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. 
By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.